0: working at the same time in animation and um, I was I was 20 something at the time I didn't I didn't expect to stay that long <laughs> so I guess I'm still traveling but I, I've been here half of my life so I'm, I'm based in Montpellier in the south of France yeah.
1: you didn't expect to stay there for that long
0: it was the ship because I was working in Montreal and the company uh, they had a problem with the production so they just Stopped the production, and um, so I was out of job. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll travel. Like lots of uh, Canadians and French Canadians go to Europe, uh, visit the old countries. And uh, I got a job in a in in a animation studio um, in Germany. And then I worked uh, a bit here and there. There was studio all over Europe at that time. It was. It was it was very easy to find work so i said oh, i'm going to try france and uh, and i i tried a few studios a few cities and uh, and then i stayed longer than i thought because i thought i would you know just travel and come back home but uh, i i never came back home basically
1: how has france been handling the pandemic over the past year
0: uh, I, um i still have my family in quebec and i talk with them and um it's it's kind of the same now there was a curfew but now it's at 11 um, terrace are open and in inside restaurants are open since this week. So it's kind of the same pace as
1: Canada, I think. You're not quite there, but slowly, slowly getting there.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, we, we don't have to wear a mask on the streets anymore. So it looks like uh,
1: back to the good old days. Have you been doing animation work in the meantime?
0: Well, I stopped my animation work after, after Pyongyang, actually. That was my last, uh, because i thought well i'm just going to try to focus on my work uh, doing comic books and um and i did pyongyang right uh and um and pyongyang worked uh, quite well so i thought well i'm, I'm just going to continue working on uh, on comic books and um so i never went back to animation because for me animation it was um, it was supervising work uh, outsourcing and all that so you have to be very um Flexible. Uh, I mean, in terms of uh, if you have a family, you go away. So yeah, I was I was happy to have a a steady place and job to do. Yeah,
1: I find that's a case with a lot of jobs that are peripherally related to something creative. You know, I assume that you're what initially drew you to animation as an industry is obviously you're a storyteller. You're somebody who likes to, to draw. But if you stick at it for long enough you get promoted and you kind of get promoted out of that thing that you wanted to do in the first place.
0: I'm not so sure. Cause animation, it's a long chain of, of artistic work. And I think the best way is to do comic books and have an adaptation. And then you say, okay, I'll work on the adaptation, but to go and, and go up the ladder and end up doing a, you can be a director But to do your own stuff, hmm, I'm not so sure, because you're not going to be seen as the creative guy. You're going to adapt a book. You're going to take someone's uh, scenarios, storyboard. But uh, I don't see it like that. I think I've had offers for animation of my books uh, a few times. And I thought, well, you know, (laughs) this is what I was. That's the way I was seeing it, actually. you do you do some creative work, and people in the studio, uh, animation studio, sees it and says, "Oh, you know that would be an interesting adaptation," and they and they do it.
1: Did you accept the offers ultimately, and they just didn't pan out, or were they just not the right fit?
0: Uh, there was a, a bit of both. Um, uh, someone wanted to do um, the my traveling books. They wanted to do the Jerusalem book. And I said no. Same for the Burmese book. I said I know I don't want to. I don't want to see that because um, well, ultimately it's going to be me talking in the film. So I have two choice. Either I, I let it uh, go and someone else take care of it, and there's going to be a very big surprise. I'm sh- I'm sure. And since I'm I'm going to be in the film talking, that's problematic. And um, I'm not ready to quit uh, doing comic books and focus on a film for four, five, six years. Because these things take long time. Uh, and then at the end, you have one film and that's it. And uh, if it works good, well, that's okay. If it's a success, well, it's great. But uh, most probably it's just going to be another film And that's it. I prefer to do a book. I prefer to do uh, six books, in, well, three books in six years than just one movie.
1: (laughs) Even if you are put in a situation where you're allowed to have continued creative control over the product, you still have to give up a lot of control. And there's nothing, there are very few mediums in the world that let you micromanage in the way that you can with comics and animation. I mean, you know, this as well as anybody animation, you know, you're working with probably hundreds of people to get it done. So you kind of have to give away a piece of yourself.
0: Oh yeah. It's a, it's a process of adaptation. It's a, it's a bit like when you have an idea, you think, Oh, this could be an interesting book. And then you start working on the book and the idea has to be formed on, on drawings and, um, and text and letters and all that. And, and it's, it's different. So you have to kind of um, go as it goes and try to do the best. Uh, it would be the same for animation, of course. You have so many people drawings. They don't, they don't all draw your style and you have to make artistic decisions all the time that you are not, you know, totally satisfied. And at the end, you know, it can be good, but, uh, it's going to be different, different than what you have. So that's the whole thing with adaptation uh when you do comic book um, what I like is that you have a lot of freedom uh, if if I want to do a science fiction book I can start tomorrow and uh, and uh, and that's it i can I can do the book and then send it to some publishers if they're interested but uh animation well you need a team and before you're gonna start on your book uh, on your animation um, you have to convince producer that it's a good idea and you spend so much energy on on stuff that are not gonna be in the creative thing, like movie. I mean, if you, when you do a storyboard, you do lots of stuff and that's not really in the movie. Same with layouts. But when you do comic books, it's so efficient because you, I mean, today I worked, I, I did half a page. I mean, I did sketch and then I ink and everything is going to be in the book basically. And uh, there's, there's not a
1: lot of voice really like that. In North America, you've had a very good relationship with Drawn and Quarterly. They put out, if not all, mo- most of your books, most of the ones at least that, that have gotten English translations. But is the process of writing a book, is, is it as you described from the standpoint of really sitting down and working on something in its entirety before you're entirely sure who's going to publish it?
0: Well, it was like that at the beginning, but now, uh, yeah, I know that John and Cotterly is, is going to be interested by any books that I'm going to work on and they're going to decide if they take it or not. Uh, if it's a traveling book, of course, everybody's interested because they, they work quite well. There was that book about the guy who was kidnapped. It was different, but then, um, I guess they saw the reaction in France and they, or they liked the idea and, and they translated it. So yeah, now I, I, I'm in a situation, same for France, when I, I have publisher who phones me once in a while and they say, so what are you up to? They're really interested in what I'm working on because they want to they wanna grab it first or they want to say, oh, you know, that, that's exactly the type of book we'd like to publish. <laughs> so I have that type of, uh, of, of offer. And so it's very different than from the beginning where you you hope some publisher is going to read it and they're going to have some interest in it uh now it's it's very comfortable because I I can even take time because when you have a publisher said, yeah, okay, it's good I, I want to do the book and uh it it would be perfect if you can finish it for uh September. And then you have to rush <laughs> because uh because you have to finish it for September. So and now I'm usually I I go and I'm I'm halfway done in a book and I haven't I haven't talked to my publisher about it. Uh uh, same when i was working on the um, on, on the kidnap guy uh, hostage book um, i think i did 200 pages and then i said you know i'm working on that kidnap book guy that i wanted to do for a long time and i, I spent more than a year so for you one year i had the, the very big luxury of not telling anyone and no publisher was knowing that i was working on that and then i said I'm doing that. Well, they were all excited. And they said, well, it'd be great if you can do it for Angoulême in January. <laughs> I had to
1: speed to finish the book. As you alluded to before, the travel books have been, I think you called them surefire hits from the standpoint of, you know, you've, you've done several of them and it's the thing that you're best known for. Were you a little nervous to step outside of that with the hostage book, knowing that you've got this thing that you're known for?
0: Well, um, but before the hostage, between that, there was, uh, you know, the... The bad, um, the, the bad dad guide. Well, in French, they say le guide du mauvais père, so it's the bad dad guide. Uh, so I did four of that. And, um, it's funny because I thought, well, I'm just going to do these books, but they've been very popular in France. And a lot of people don't know that, uh, it's the same person who do these traveling books and do the, the thing with the father who's not so good with the kids and try to do his best and all that. Um, so that comforted me i said well you know i can (laughs) i i I sold a hundred thousand books in france of the first of that bad that guy which is very incredible um i don't know for some reason i had good cover good critics and the people just just bought it like crazy um not the one after it because like a series it it goes slower after but then i said well okay now um after these small books I'm ready to work on something very big because I knew it would be a lot of page. And, um, so it's like a marathon. You have to be, you have to be ready. And, um, so I started and I spent like two years and something doing the, the, the book, but no, it was a good time for me to do that. Yeah. I was very happy because I was always wanted to do it. And, uh, there was always the, the we were traveling. I would come back and they wouldn't, I would postpone the, that project again and again and again. So yeah, I was really glad to be able to work on that. And I thought to myself, well, after 15 years, if you still think it's a good idea, hmm, I think
1: it's time to really try to do it. And if it doesn't work, well, you have to forget about it. <laughs> what was it about that idea that stuck around, that stuck with you for 15 years?
0: Well, it's it's going to be the most um, incredible story that someone has told me directly. Um, and, well, not exactly, but it's it's one incredible story that I can relate to because I've had when you work with people that have been on the field with Doctors Without Borders, well you can imagine they all have very action stories and dramatic stories and uh but um I'm not a doctor. I'm never gonna be in situations like that. But to be kidnapped it's something you know, it it can happen to anyone if you're in the bad place at the bad moment, uh It can be in Mexico and Colombia and Philippines, but he was in Chechnya, of course. And um, when he told me that story in a restaurant 15 years ago, and I was listening to it, I thought, wow, this is what what an incredible human experience. I mean, to be deprived of your basic rights, which is freedom, like every decision he was making was every decision was 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 done by someone else, like. To go to the toilet, to read, whatever, anything was by someone else. So how frustrating can that be? I, I've always thought, yeah, what would I do in a situation like that? And, um, well, there's no really answer to that, uh, because like Christoph was saying to me, um, in a situation like that, you're a, a person, you're a different person. The stress is so high. He says, when I read the book, I can't imagine I've done that. It's, it's actually quite crazy because I, I could have been shot. I should have just stayed there and wait for that. With the ending but of course he was super happy to to escape and yeah the the, the captive story is 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 very was very intense when you told me that and uh and since he escaped i mean that's the best story you can imagine for a situation like that when when you're kidnapped like he told me the best therapy for a kidnapping is to escape because after two three weeks when he came back he went back to doctors without border and he told them well you know um I'm ready for another mission. Uh, just send me somewhere. And uh, they were all very surprised. And they said, okay, we'll send you in a very quiet place. So he, he ended up working in, in Laos for a year and a half uh, in, in that small town, Buddhist place. And he really enjoyed it. Yeah.
1: Did that feel like a collaborative book in a sense? Uh, did you call him up and tell him you're working on this? Did you work closely to get that book written?
0: we worked closely but it was not a collaboration because um i recorded him uh, long hours very long hours and i worked with these tapes that i had from 15 years before when his mummy was still fresh because i think i recorded him when he was um six months yeah after that that story six months after so it was still fresh in his memory and it was good because um after 15 years he he said, well, I don't know if, if I say it on the tapes, then it, then it's good.
1: You had the tapes for 15 years that you used to base the book up.
0: Yeah. So he was telling me if I say it in the tape, then it's probably the good thing. Uh, after 15 years, he was losing a bit uh, of, of the, some of the details. And um, well, he became a friend, but um, it, it was not a collaboration in the sense that I sent him the, the page and he would read them. And there was not a lot of things to change. Just some words here and there, but no details. And I did, you know, I did the whole thing, the whole plan, the whole chronological order. And I had to put words in his mouth because I said, well, okay, if he was in that situation uh, with this happening and this happening, he was probably thinking that then I was writing them and I thought, well, he's going to, he's going to change lots of things, but no. He just said, you know, I think you got it. And after a while, he was just reading the page and there was no, almost no change there. The other thing is, is he's a bit like me. He's kind of a shy guy and, uh, he's not, we're not very different. So that's why I guess it was easy for me to like step in his shoes and, uh, just write words that he has probably thought or said. And, uh, it was a very interesting experience.
1: That nonfiction storytelling is that something not non-autobiographical non-memoir is that something that you would like to go back to at some point
0: mm, why not uh because it was an interesting experience but um after that book i've had people who were sending me um manuscript or uh, they would they would pitch me their life and saying you know, we should make a comic book about that <laughs> which is very cute and um but sometimes, yeah, I had all sorts of stories, but I'm I'm actually not interested, I think, yeah, I've, because this subject was appealing to me, and then I met Christophe, and it was just like the most interesting story of that kind. And that's it. Other than that, I, I don't see what would interest me. No, but I, I would like to work on some stuff oh. that is biographical, uh, on someone else's life, like, uh, a writer, a painter, a poet, a scientist. Uh, I've, I've worked a bit on that just, uh, because I was thinking of that, uh, an art dealer, actually. And, uh, yeah. And I would like to make, um, some biography material with that. Um, maybe not the whole life, maybe just a period or something like that. But, uh, it, it would be interesting. I like to, I like to work with boundaries. So when it's my story, It's easy because I have my notes and these are the boundaries. On a biography, well, it's someone else's life. So you have to, in that frame, um, do something interesting to read. And uh, I prefer that than having just a total open space of freedom and fiction. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I appreciate that approach to biography as well, because I think too often people's impulse when taking on a subject is to attempt to smash an entire life into a single book. And, you know, we call them Cliff's Notes. It's the sort of like the the bird's eye view and you lose a lot of the vi- really important details.
0: Yes, I have read a really interesting book about uh, uh, Ravel, the piano player. And it was just on his 10th uh, last year before he died when he was very famous and he went to America uh, and he would lose his mind slowly. And uh, I like that because we I, I don't know his youth, what he looked like, but the book is just focusing on that. And it's very interesting. I like that.
1: I read the last part of a three-volume book on Churchill because to me, mm-hmm. the late years and, and the decline, that's always the most interesting part of the story to me.
0: And there was that movie about Churchill. Uh, Darkest Hour. Yeah, right. Just on one very small uh, historical uh, event detail before the war. And that was very interesting.
1: To some degree, there's a certain amount of similarity between stories when it comes to the early years. But um, it's that lived history that you get with somebody. It's what somebody does after they've hit their peak that really you know, interests me. I'm, I'm, as, as somebody who interviews people, for a large part of my job, if I'm interviewing a musician, for example, I'd much rather interview the musician who has had that success and is on the other side versus the person who hasn't seen it all and is just coming up.
0: Mm. So you're, you're, for, you're for the decline part of the story.
1: I'm not entirely sure why, but I just think it's a more interesting story to tell, ultimately. Yeah, well, the
0: way for me it goes, it's, uh, I read. well, we all see these characters, uh, historical characters, and you think, wow, this is this is such a crazy life that uh, you think hey, it would be interesting to put that into a, a movie, a book, uh, or a comic book. And yeah, um, and just like that, I read sometimes stuff I hear about characters and I said, well, you know, I should work on that and try. Yeah, but it's a long process because you have to, um, well, if I make a book on someone, I want to read everything that he has that I can make uh, for, from, from the character that's been written on him so um, yeah that's it's a long process.
1: You need to understand the context of the early years in order to write about the later years you need you do need to know where this person went from point A to point B in order to really effectively write about point C.
0: Yeah, I'm sure then you know you know him very well so you know why he's reacting like that and uh, and why he's going in that direction.
1: Yeah. Perhaps somewhat jokingly, I'm not sure, but you threw out science fiction as a hypothetical, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, th- the book that you would write next. Is there any truth to that? If not science fiction specifically, then doing something that is really just completely outside of your comfort zone.
0: I'm doing a bit of that now because, um, uh, I was working on different projects and then some friend who, um, it's actually Louis Trondheim. He's, he lives here in Montpellier, and uh, he has a series called Dungeon. So I'm making a dungeon because they have uh, one of the series where they have lots of guests. And uh, I said, you know, someday I'd like to try one. And he had one ready, but someone couldn't do it. So I, he said, you know, uh, why not? So at first I I said, okay, pitch me the whole story. <laughs> that was very funny. And um, I've read... Uh, I've reread some of them to know where I was in that, because it's very big now. It's, I think they have 50 books, so I have to fit between two books, kind of. And um, uh, so I'm I'm drawing. It's a cemetery, and you have uh, dead people and alive people that go to school together, and uh, all sorts of characters like that. And it's, it's first the first days I regret, I said, why am I doing that? I mean, it's going to be so much, so much, I didn't get the whole thing, I was a bit confused, yeah, and so much work somehow, and I didn't know how to handle that, and it's exactly why I accept to put myself in a situation a bit different, in a different kind of drawing, but then I've always liked this type of, of, of of comic books when I was young, so uh, after a few days i was just having fun and i'm still having fun i'm 15 pages done and I'm, I'm yeah it's a lot of fun to do so that's the first time i'm not doing the scenario but i can help it every three days i go to lewis place and i have all these notes on the story i said wouldn't that be better if this and this happened instead of this and I have that dialogue instead of that, but he's very flexible. So he says, uh, "Let's see," and then he says, "Yes, no, yes, yes," <laughs> and uh, and so I get to have uh, the uh, an option for the story. I can I can put my grain of salt in it.
1: You're working directly off of a script that Lewis wrote. That's right. There, there, there are two actually.
0: It's Lewis and uh, Jeans Sphar, which are which are two of the most prolific writers uh, of comic books in France. Uh, they're, they're, they're two big machines. So it's interesting to see how they work, actually, and, and see how they work together to do that and how I can adjust. So, yeah, because it's such a big machine. <laughs> it's interesting.
1: Now that you're enjoying it and and you're able to reflect on those early days, what was it that made it so difficult early on to start the project
0: um i th- i found the story a bit confusing uh, i didn't i didn't have all the character in mind because uh, lewis was pitching the story he said you know the red dog and all these characters i didn't know them uh, so but then I, I i i read the book and then i got i got the whole thing and uh, i just started with the first page and I thought, uh, my God, this is difficult. And I don't know, after the second day, uh, just the kind of cartoony drawing came back a bit like I was. I thought it was exactly like uh, an animation project where you have new characters and it's a new world completely. You have to adjust. You need one or two days to start, try to get the characters and boom, you start to work. It was a bit like that.
1: Ultimately, is it nice being able to do that, being able to sort of just focus on art? Yes, it is a lot of
0: fun. I'm really enjoying it. And um, and I see myself uh, doing stuff that I didn't know I would, I would. was it would be so easy to do. I mean, I, I can have a class of kids uh, catching someone because they want to eat that character, and I can fit that in a little square and... If, uh, I don't find it very difficult, and uh, I'm just enjoying the experience I've accumulated after after so many years of doing um, comics. But this one is in a, so it's working on a genre, so it's a, it's a very it's a very fun thing to do. I would be ready to to do science fiction tomorrow. I would be ready to do um, a western. I think after doing that. Uh, I, and and this is great, because now, I think after that, my project are going to be, uh, I, my range is going to be wider, some way, and the way they write, is much more concentrated than I do, and I see, well, it works, and so, it's interesting, to work on someone else, on, on, with someone else material, scenario, because that's, I don't work like that, but I get to work like that with them, so, um, I get the stuff, and I think, wow, oh, that's interesting, you can, you can very quickly go to, from this to this and <laughs> all sorts of things.
1: Concentrated in the sense that the the pacing is faster. Yeah,
0: because it's forty six page and they put a lot of text. I don't do that. I, I I I tend to very take my time, deal with stuff, and it fits with the stories. I I do, yeah. But for them, it has to go faster. Because lots of things happen, so uh, and it works. So I thought, oh, you know, yes, it's true that you can you can accelerate time, and uh, it's
1: okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm learning a lot. It's fun. When I think about their art, when I think about their pages, they're they're heavily detailed in in a way that you know I, I don't tend to 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 think of your work. Trondheim specifically doing a lot of really busy images of crowds uh, as far just very heavily detailed. Do you think that part of the sort of the initial disconnect there is that when they write, they tend to sort of write for them themselves as artists?
0: Uh, Yeah, most probably. But I remember Lewis Louis told me, uh, he said, uh, you know, in the drawings, you have to put lots of details. (laughs) And I said, okay, I'll try. And uh, that's what I do actually, because, I have no choice. It happens in a cemetery where everything is just upside down and confusing. And you have a class of people with teacher. And so there is a lot of characters. Uh, you don't put all them into one frame, but uh, uh, it's very busy. Um, uh, it's going to be quieter in the second part. But that's okay. It's, it's, it's interesting to do
1: as well. Yeah. I also tend to think of you as having a very defined style. Obviously, it varies from, from book to book. Hostage wasn't the same as Pyongyang, for example. But, you know, it's, it's clear when I look at most of your work that it is your work. When we do finally see these pages, are they going to be a stylistic departure from what we've seen from you thus far?
0: Oh, there's an adjustment, yeah, because I do much more um, shadows and um, and and, and, uh, and it's I don't do the color, but uh it happens, some of the stuff happen at night, so I really have to uh, to put some shadow that I draw in black, and um, and that's interesting. I really like do that because I've never done that before. But yeah, there's going to be a change, yeah. Uh, but after that, for my other project, I don't think so. Because if I would have to do hostage again, there was an image that uh, it it had to be. I've tried different things, but then just a simple drawing that looked more like a sketch. uh, That that's what I I saw. Every book's kind of uh, impose a drawing. And if I do, if I would do another traveling book, I would just go back to that style because that style uh, is a bit funny. It's a bit graphic. And it's just perfect for tell stories that I have to tell. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if I would do a science fiction book, then of course I would do something
1: different. Is the story that Factory Summers is based on, is that another thing that you were sitting on for a number of years?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I've I've been thinking of that for, um well, the longest time because uh, once in a while, uh, one memory of that time was popping in my mind and uh there was some very funny situation there and i thought well you know that would be an interesting uh, little part of a book if i ever do a book about that and then i would just let go but they would they would come always and um uh, one day i thought well okay let's let's try to see uh, if i make a book what can i put in that and i just start to to note my my memories of that specific time and um even though i don't have a good memory i was very surprised that uh Wow, all these things came back and came out. <laughs> and uh, for a week, they would just come and say, oh, yeah, there was this, and then, oh, yeah, there was this. So I note everything, and then I realized, well, wow, I think I have enough material to do a book. And I just started the whole thing. And uh, while I was working on the book, uh, even till the end, the book was finished, all the pages were done, and that's it. And then I was shaving, and I saw that I have that little scar here on the forehead. And I thought, oh, that happened in the factory, actually, because I was bing and then I knocked myself and it started bleeding. I said, oh, I have to put that in the book. So I called the publisher and said, I have still one more page to add. And they said, oh, we really? yeah, yeah, I have to put that in the book. And yeah, we I add that one.
1: Yeah, a memory is an interesting thing. I have a bad memory as well. But I'm curious what the process was like. You found that you just sort of, one day sat down started to write and then the pieces started connecting to one another?
0: Yeah, that's right. I said, what would be interesting to put in the book? He said, uh, well, of course that, that big guy uh, was doing a, a Mark the, who wants to be a weightlifter or something like that. Uh, so that was just the mentioning of him. But then I said, Oh, I remember that he helped me when we had uh, and then one thing would come there would be three subjects out of that and then there was the guy who was walking with his belly like that (laughs) the shirt open yeah the shirt open it tied down and i said yeah and they were all come back like that Uh, the guy who was selling his his motorcycle (laughs) with like a lottery ticket and uh I, I don't have a good memory. That's funny. But, um, I guess when you're 17 and you're, that was my first summer job and you're with these guys who live there basically. And you're just for the summer, you know, they don't, they, they talk with you and, uh, all that. But, uh, you're just a student that, that's going to pass by. So they, they kind of ignore you. And, uh, so yeah, it's a bit intimidating. I was, I was kind of shy at 17 and, uh, uh, the students, they would bring books and read. <laughs> I know I've I've done that quite a lot while I was there. And uh, so it was a very interesting place to read a book in a pulp and paper factory, which add to a souvenir because I remember reading a book and I was reading of Mouse and Men and I started to cry. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's a funny one that I, I took note like that. And uh, they all came within a week or two, basically.
1: It did jump out at me that you're reading of Mice and Men because of Mice and Men, like a a lot really most of Steinbeck's work is a very blue collar book. You know, it's a book about working class people. He's somebody who wrote a lot about, you know, Grapes of Wrath is a book about the depression, the Dust Bowl. Obviously, there's a disconnect uh, in a certain sense from you and the people working there in that, as you said, you were just kind of a, a visitor. So intellectually, what was that experience like of reading this Blue Collar Book in the middle of this factory.
0: Yeah, I've, I've read uh 100 Years of Solitude as well while I was there. Really enjoyed that one. Uh Of Mice of Men is, is a super popular book in the French in, in the French countries. I, I read it in Quebec and uh, my daughter read the book in in a French translation just last year. She's 14. And um so it's it's one of the books you read when you're young, I guess uh and it's yeah it's it's very beautiful book and i remember well they didn't mind i mean these workers they would see students and uh i would say half of the students there they would bring a book and read because uh all the job was boring whenever you had time and you would bring a book uh, i guess some of them would bring books that they had to study during summer because uh, a lot of them were um study uh to be doctor or lawyer (laughs) and when i told these guys that i was i was in fine arts i I could see the the gap between my world and their world even though my world was not made up and they told me what do you want to do with fine arts i didn't know i was just hoping that if i can find i said i like drawing if i can if I can be near the drawing process of something, you know, that'd be fun as a job. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to be in a factory when you're 17 because you look at that and you think, wow, well, you know, that's a possibility for a job. <laughs> Some people do that all their life, and um, I said, well, you know, I hope uh, my animation studies are gonna <laughs> are gonna help me get there get out of here
1: there's a moment in the book where it's very clear that they just have no way of contextualizing that 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 that's something that somebody would not only want to do but that that animation is something that somebody possibly could pursue as a livelihood
0: yeah i think if i would have told them i i come from another planet it would be the same reaction because i mean they've never been in a museum most of these guys um, they have no idea what the some move, painting movement. So I was really into that when I was 17, uh, and uh, so yeah, very different. But it's it, it's interesting to be there when you're 17. So you get to see okay, worker worker guys are, are like this. And I was trying in the book uh, to portray them as I've perceived them when I was at that age. Um, some of them were very interesting. Uh, and um, I, I, i've tried to put them in the book not to balance things but uh, that's how i've perceived them S-s- some of them were you know just one or two guys who were kind of assholes but uh most of them they were just they were curious i i i should have put that in the book maybe but they would ask me questions about animation i did a bit and i said you know they, they we, we have computers now to work on with that and uh, i remember that when you mentioned computers especially at that time you know it was the future so they thought oh yeah that's a good job and uh that's it it was great it was interesting to see that yeah.
1: <laughs> mark was an interesting character i the the bodybuilder because he it seemed like he extended a kindness to you that few other co-workers did. He was, a,
0: he was a very nice guy. Uh, he helped me out and he was the only one doing that. He Very muscular, but he would ask questions. He was curious. Very lively guy. But, uh, I mean, I, I, I was trying to explain to these guys that uh, I'd like to work in fine arts, but then you had this guy who was hoping to stop working in the factory to to gain more muscles. I mean, how crazy is that? <laughs> so it's it kind of balanced things.
1: There's another level of disconnect in an entirely different way in that part of what brought you to the factory in the first place was the fact that your father worked there but he, he didn't walk on the he didn't work on the floor i mean occasionally you would see him sort of walking by
0: yeah he would uh, no because he was a, a draftsman technical draftsman
1: but uh, sometimes he
0: would do other stuff because he he was very curious to try and uh, he's the one who was taking care of the the sound, the, the, the decibel to make sure that, uh, so they would have to every year to take uh, measurements of that. The noise levels. Yeah, right. So noise level. And, um, he, he was, uh, so just, I remember he was telling me that when I was younger. And uh, the day I saw him finally uh, there, uh, he was taking the measurement for that. I thought, oh, you know, that's that machine he showed me once and all that. Uh, I didn't expect to, um, I didn't plan to put my father uh, so much in the book uh for me the main subject was really the factory and the people that are in that factory just like going into a different country where uh, for me that country was the factory mm-hmm. and um it how it had i had all the ingredients of a traveling book basically you go into uh, some weird place and then the, you have different uh perspective and and um sceneries to do the machine and the smokes and the pipes so that was a lot of fun to draw and um so yeah i realized that uh well okay if i go in that factory it's because my father worked there so i had to explain the situation with my father the relation with my father and then he came he came throughout the book basically uh, every like 15 20 page uh, I would look for him. I, <laughs> I found him. I'd go to his place and all that. And uh, I realized that it was actually quite interesting narratively to explain my relation with him. And at the end, uh, I thought, yeah, something is missing. And then with my publisher, I said, I'd like to, you know, finish with my father when he did, when he died a few years ago. And that was kind of the end of it. And my brother was there and then it just, it just makes sense. But, uh, it was that plan. And when, um, I think of the book now, I, the main character is my father, uh, and uh, the, the factory is there. So yeah, you never know. You start with a book and, uh, it, it kind of goes in a, Bit different direction than I
1: thought what's really interesting about your father in the first probably three quarters of the book I, I suppose is um a- as you said there are moments when you go to his apartment and, and visit him and he basically sort of lectures at you but throughout most of the book he's kind of a ghost yeah he's this um character in, in the periphery that you know you think maybe you see walking by but you're not sure it's him
0: yeah and you have that expression um searching for the father or looking for the father. So in France, it is chercher le père. And uh, I have literally that situation where I think I see him. I kind of run in the factory and I say, uh, you know, dad, dad. (laughs) So I'm running after that ghost, basically, which is a very good description of my relation with him because, you know, it's never been really there. And then when he was there, you were... Never really in in front of someone you can just have a normal conversation always. So it, it that's he was that kind of guy.
1: You know, Drawn and Quarterly had described it as your most personal book and, and I think that's right, but it, it's an it's a funny thing to say about somebody who has, you know, to some degree all the travelogues were about you and your family and your travels, but but this is different. And I don't know if it's just the nature of your relationship with your father or the way that you told it but this does feel deeply personal in a way that maybe the other books weren't
0: in the other books uh, i i don't talk i talk about the children because it's funny and that's it i don't really go into personal stuff uh, i don't really like to read books that are too personal because i feel like hmm, i shouldn't be reading this i have that feeling very quickly so uh, I don't feel at ease with books like that. So I don't do books like that. Basically, um, my traveling books. Even though back in in Burma or Jerusalem, we had some problems. In, in, in all couples can have. I'm not going to put that in, in in a book. I mean, that's that's there's no point and that's no sense. And this one is different. Maybe because of the age, <laughs> I'm 55 now. So um, I guess I wanted to talk to my father. Uh, without, I think without admitting it at first, but once the book is finished, I realized that, like I was saying, well, maybe he's the main character after all. And the fact that he died a few years before, I was thinking, you know, what a, what a strange relation I had with my father. At the end of it, narratively, it was making sense. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put that into, in, in in the book yet. You get to see that young me at 17 and, uh, a bit of his relation with his friends, family, and father. So I thought, yeah, that 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 makes a book. That's okay.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I I don't know if I necessarily say he's the main character. I mean, you know, you very much are in that you're the kind of the force that drives the whole thing. But he's the heart of the book. Yeah, right. In the process of writing about writing this book and writing about him, and going through and re-remembering these things, do you feel like you gained a better insight into your relationship with him?
0: Yes and no. I have explained uh, maybe more clearly to myself what, because uh, I had to draw and I had to to make him do these lectures. So it's a bit more clear the the kind of a guy he was for me. Um, in the ending, uh, it was, uh, very moving to do it. Um, and, uh, I'm glad I did it like that. I, I think I, I, have done it too. My father died, so like uh, four years ago. And I don't think I would have done it while he's still, um, alive. Yeah. I think maybe that book, uh, was possible to do because uh, that was, that was over with my father. And I said, well, okay, now I can talk a bit about him. Yeah. it's it's, there's all these things together
1: in a certain sense was his dying a catalyst for you wanting to sit down and write the book
0: well my relation was so distant that um well i was no not really i don't think so it just it came in my mind like yeah no that uh a way i can it's not an homage because the way i describe it it's not very positive but uh in my mind and for my family, it is a little bit, I think, like, well, you know, my father, he was a special guy, but he was like that. And, uh, yeah, just to draw him, that was, that was a bit of a, a catharsis to, <laughs> and to show it to my, to my sisters and, uh, and my, my father, my, my brother. And, uh, they said, yeah, it's like he, he looks exactly like that.
1: What were his feelings about? The career path you chose. I mean, in a certain sense, were they similar to the reactions that you got from the guys on the floor? In that, it just wanting to pursue this was just completely foreign to him.
0: Well, I had the chance to be the, the fourth uh, children. Uh, the first one I had a lot of problem, and he divorced, and he was out of the house when I had to make decision about going in an art school. Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't have go for that. I mean, he would have, uh, just like he did with my father. My father wanted to do some, s- some study. Then he said, you're not going to do that. So it was a big fight. Um, so I would have, I, I probably, I would have fight with him. And, uh, but uh, since I was the fourth one, I, I didn't have to go through that. So it was much easier. Yeah. yeah. And what do you think about my career? Um, well, frankly, I have to say, I don't know because, uh, to connect with him and have a just normal conversation was just really strange, and I would just give up and and try to put few things like uh, you know uh, I'm you know everything at the end of the, of. of of the day, I would be with him and I was thinking, yeah, uh, I would say briefly, well, dad, I've been, I've been in France and, uh, it's going all fine. You know, I'm publishing books and he would pause and say, Oh, yeah. And then, um, well, oh, good, good, good. And, uh, not much would come of that, you know, like these fathers. Uh, the funny thing is, um, after that book, I had, uh, a few guys who, uh, said, I've worked in a factory. And one guy said, I worked in the factory in, uh, for 41 years and uh, I was working with your father for many, many years. And uh, he said, you know, if you want to talk about that uh, and have a few uh, a few insights about your father, you know, here's my phone number. I phoned him the day after and we had the two hours of, uh, of good conversation. It was interesting. So I said, well, how was he like? So uh, it's funny because I have to ask if, um, a strange guy. Uh, a stranger guy how was my father at work so i had all sorts of questions i took notes and then i phoned my brothers and sisters I said you know that this this and this so he was actually talking about he said he was talking about you guys uh, the families the, the children and i said oh really wow
1: because i uh, true. <laughs> It's a short and small, but as I'm thinking back on the book, perhaps the most profound moment of the book for me is when you go visit him in the office and you realize that that's the last and, you know, maybe only time that you're going to be in his office. So you need to really soak it in and get a visual of this place where he spends all his time I and mean, that was a really especially you know now as we're talking about memory that was an incredibly important moment for the book
0: yeah well that's true totally i agree with you i'm glad you picked that up um because you're there you're 17 and uh, that's it i mean that's the only time i saw where my father was working and uh, i don't know i think of my my son is 17, and you know he comes to the studio. He's been there many, many times. Uh, it's so different. I did that book a bit too because um, my my son is 17, and I look at him and says, "No, oh, what was I doing at that time?" And uh, I I I wanted to do the book and call it "At Your Age, uh, Three Dots." and then give it to him and says, you know at your age i was working at the factory <laughs> that type of thing. but uh, of course that title didn't work and um just to you know just to sh- to tell him that you know I-, I was working when i was your age which is such a, an old father thing to say and it was yeah it was, it was part of the of the start of the book yeah to, to when i was seeing my son and saying you know what was i doing at that time